All right, in today's episode, we're going to be talking to Kevin Getz. He's a metal artist, a symphonic metal artist who used the strategies that he learned in my course, Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0, to ultimately take his band from struggling to selling thousands of albums uh, from the comfort of his own home without touring, without publicity, without radio. Um, and he's going to really pull back the curtain and share everything, all of the numbers, how he did it, what the fan experience is, and give you some very important insights. Now, if you would like to learn more about Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0, as I say, this is my flagship program. This is a complete A to Z of direct-to-fan marketing. In this program, I let you watch over my shoulders as I set up an entire funnel, the very same kind of funnel that Kevin is talking about in this lesson. Uh, I give you websites site templates, email templates that you can copy and paste and show you how to do everything, how to design your site for sales, how to set up ads, how to write email copy, how to create blog content that is designed to pull fans in, and ultimately how to create that very important awareness, interest, desire, and action that is so key to success uh, when it comes to direct-to-fan marketing. So if you are interested in learning more, go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash MMM4 or go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and click on products and services in the nav bar. All right, and now today's episode. You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where you'll learn how you can use direct-to-fan marketing strategies to grow your fan base and generate income from your music with no record label, radio, airplay, touring, or press. And I'm your host, John Ojaka. All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to an MMM student, uh, Kevin Getz. Now, Kevin, uh, you know, it's it's he's more than a student. He's become a, a real fixture around Music Marketing Manifesto and the Insider Circle. He sat in on a on a lesson or two, and uh, you know, we've been we've been talking a lot about ways that he might be able to become more involved with Music Marketing Manifesto. So you may very well see his uh, his face around here, well, hear his name anyway, seeing that this is an audio format, but you may be seeing him more around Music Marketing Manifesto and the Insider Circle. Um, uh, we, we've gotten to know each other because, as I say, he's been a, a really avid student of the of the strategies that I've been teaching for about a decade now, uh, and he's doing really well with them. He is a, a metal artist, a symphonic metal artist, as he'll talk about a bit in, in the interview, I'm sure, um, and he's been really, really diligent with these strategies. He's uh, uh, one of those students that just kind of keeps coming back with the right questions, keeps testing, keeps doing the work. And I've really seen it blossom for him over the last couple of years uh, to go from a guy who is spending just a couple of dollars a day uh, in, in Facebook ads and, and perhaps uh, struggling a little bit initially to a guy who's now spending uh, over $150 a day on ads and selling thousands of, of, of albums using uh, the strategies that we teach around here. So We'll let him tell his story, but I think I think this is going to be a really fun and interesting success story for uh, all of you guys who have either uh, are either new to Music Marketing Manifesto or who have you know maybe sat around uh, looking at these strategies for a while and 
uh, are, you know, not necessarily convinced about how well they, they may or may not work, uh, are perhaps wondering if they can work for you. Uh, I think, I think Kevin's going to have some really great, uh, insight for you guys. Now, I do want to stress, I said that, you know, we're looking into ways that Kevin may become more involved around music marketing manifesto. You know, no smoke and mirrors here. He's not my buddy that I'm, I'm having on the show to, to, you know, tell you some glowing report about this stuff. He, he genuinely is uh, a student and we've gotten to know each other through that process of just chatting in the forum um, and, and things along those lines. So I just kind of wanted to lay that out there that there's no trickery here. He's, he's a, a legit student. And frankly, as as we go into this interview, I don't know half of the stuff that he's about to tell us, and I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to hear it because, as I say, he's been doing really well uh, in, in recent months, and uh, I'm excited to get caught up on everything. So, Kevin, uh, Kevin's on the line with, with us to, today as we speak. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can. Yeah. Thanks for being here today. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, well, um, you you concur with everything I said. You know, we, we don't know each other. We've never met in person. You're not my buddy who I've paid to go and say a lot of nice things about Music Marketing Manifesto. <laughs> uh, are you? Yeah, no. Cool. No, you, we've, we've never met, but uh, maybe uh, someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. I was going to say you'd be surprised, but you you wouldn't be surprised uh, how many how many folks are, are out there um, with pretty greased testimonials. And, and I don't do that stuff and I don't want anyone to think um, that I am. So. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, let's give everyone a little bit of background. Where are you in, in the world? Uh, tell us about your your band, how long you've been at it, what you do. Sure. Yeah. So I live in in Missouri, Midwest America. Um, my band has been around since arguably 2009, although it took a while for us to get serious before that. And uh, it's it's been a long, long process. But you know, in the last couple years, especially, we started to get really serious and start to see some success with with marketing. And and as of right now. It's really incredible levels of success. Fantastic. Well, well, and refresh my memory. When did you come across MMM? When did we first start chatting? Um, that would have been like mid 2017, I think. Okay. And what were you doing marketing wise? Where was your band at success wise, you know, at that point? Basically nothing. Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> it was... We tried different marketing approaches. You know, we'd released one album independently with very poor quality stuff. We we started out with no intention of being professional or doing this for a living. We just, it was a hobby. We had some cool music ideas that we wanted to put out there and we did. Uh, But the reception was very, I mean, literally non-existent. (laughs) No one knew who we were. We couldn't figure out how to get people to know who we were. It it was depressing. Right. Well, but, I think I think you're not alone in in that story. Yeah. <laughs> um. And and give folks some uh, insight into your genre. So, uh, symphonic metal. That that uh, correct assessment. Hmm. Yeah. So, symphonic metal. Typically, it refers to there's like certain hallmarks of it, where you've got you know typical metal, aggressive drums, aggressive guitars, loud bass, and then the thing that kind of sets it apart is typically you have a classically trained female vocalist and anywhere from it being driven by keyboards to full orchestrations that are paired with it anything in between right right and so, so i didn't i didn't know that it's defined. always it's always uh women is it 
And almost all like I can't think of an example where it's not, um, you know, I, sometimes they'll have male vocalists as well. But mm. complete absence of a female vocalist is unheard of as far as I know. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. OK, so 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 you're in a symphonic metal band in St. Louis. Uh, you put out an album. Uh, you, you tell everyone on Facebook <laughs> that it's out and the tumbleweeds <laughs> roll by. Um, yeah, crickets. And and where where does that leave you emotionally? You know, what what uh, what kind of doubt, what kind of decisions were you facing at that point? I mean, so. You know, I, I had already been exploring YouTube for mm -hmm. a couple years before that. I started out teaching guitar on there, teaching guitar on Skype privately. Right. Um, so I was already making some money as a musician from that. But so my first thought was, OK, well, let's let's do YouTube. Let's make some some covers of other songs in our genre and maybe we'll get some attention that way. That didn't work. I was just kind of beating my head against the wall, trying everything that I knew previously. Um, and then I can't remember exactly how I came across MMM. It was either an ad on Facebook or maybe it was a blog post somewhere talking about it. But one, one way or the other, yeah, I discovered MMM and that literally changed everything. Well, what I, I guess I wanted to sort of touch on, because I think it's something that not only can a lot of people relate to but perhaps perhaps there's somebody out there that needs to hear it you know when we put out an album and it doesn't go well it can be pretty devastating and it can leave a lot of people going well maybe maybe i this just isn't maybe in the cards yeah and and maybe yeah. it's time to hang it up and and quit so i guess i i was curious if you faced any of those doubts if there was never a moment yeah. perhaps where you were going to that, quit that's I, that's a good point i i personally I tend to, if I start to get doubtful of something, I kind of immediately try to kick myself in the ass and be like, no, get up, try something else. But, right. Um, actually, my, my bandmates were hit a lot harder than I was. In fact, you know, our, our rhythm guitarist, I think he was he was about to quit hmm. because of the disappointment. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, that's probably why you succeeded. It's that whole, you know, get back on the horse thing. There, there's that's probably I get asked I get asked all the time you know what's the number one trait that you see with successful artists and and I think I answer something different um, you know a, a lot of a lot of times when I tackle that question but that that right there might be it you know just that uh, that willingness to keep on climbing at the wall until you get over it um, but yeah so okay so you're sitting there uh, the the bands at a uh, on thin ice it sounds like you know at least for some yeah. of the members but but you're undaunted yeah. and as you say you you had some experience with youtube and you knew that it was possible i presume to get in front of an audience and you knew that you could mm -hmm. sell things to that audience and, and i think that's important I, I, you know getting that taste I, I know that that's what happened for me not so much with music marketing but with online marketing when i first started dabbling was I need to check a calendar, but I think it was around 2006. It might have been earlier when I really started dabbling was way back when MySpace was the thing and everyone was buying bots to spam the whole world with their music on MySpace and the bots would break as MySpace would update their their site um, to thwart the bots and then we'd all jump into the forums and we'd all ask questions about when our bots would be fixed. and. Um, <laughs> And you'd see all these other people in there that weren't musicians. There were a lot of musicians in there, but you'd see all these people that were that were selling real products. And that's when I started scratching my head going, well, what is this make money online thing? 
And uh, I bought a course and I stayed up uh, all night. It was a paid advertising based strategy. So the results were fairly quick. And I spent 10 bucks on advertising and sold a $20 ebook. And again, I think this is around 2006. And that one sale was really, really um, important because I am also that kind of person that is going to keep on running at that wall until I get over it, like, like yourself. And, uh, once I knew one sale was possible, I knew thousands of sales were possible and I just kept at yeah. it and it didn't happen immediately. It took me a good year to really crack it where I could turn, you know, it, the first month was a few hundred dollars. Like I started making a couple of hundred bucks a month pretty quickly. And then I just sort of sat stagnant at that couple of hundred bucks mark until all of a sudden I really figured it out and it started to scale up and turned into thousands. And, and, you know, I think eventually I even got as high as to have a, you know, six figure month and things like that. Um, nice. But yeah, it was pretty, pretty mind blowing, but, uh, I don't have six figure months uh, very often, <laughs> but it, it happened, it happened a few times. Um, but, uh, anyway, um, that first sale was everything. And I think musicians face that as well. Some of my favorite testimonials, and I don't know if they impress people as much as they impress me, but the, the ones I enjoy sharing are that are those ones where I get an email from someone who bought the course and set everything up. And then they just sold an album to somebody in some other state that they didn't know. And their minds explode because they, they, yeah. they get that taste. So anyway, so you, you presumably went into MMM already having a basic understanding that there was validity to the, the, the online marketing approach in, in general, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't skeptical on some level totally. that it would work, but I, I kind of rationalized it as, look, this is what I want to do. Here's a, here's a method that might help me do it. So whatever the risk might be, I'm going to try it. Totally. If I don't even try it, then I'm not being fair to myself. Totally. Totally. Well, okay. So, so I guess, I don't know how we should tackle this. Let's, let's, um, let's get skip to the end. Let's skip to the good stuff and then let's work backwards and talk about how you got there. So, so you went from pretty much nothing. You put out an album. It was a complete flop. I don't know how many copies you sold. I'm assuming by the sound of it, it was in the dozens range. Um, not even that not far. Even, it was like five, even, like five <laughs> albums. Okay. Five albums sold. Um, and you jump in and now where are you at? I mean, now, you know, uh, I'd have to think this through mathematically because I know how much we're spending on ads. It's about 150 a day. Mm -hmm. um, and sales wise, I think that would come out to around 20 albums a day. 20 albums a day. That's awesome. That's awesome. So 20, 20 albums, 20 people uh, come in each day spending their hard-earned money on your music. And, and I think that's really, you know, we talk about fans, we talk about building our list and growing our fan base. And and we tend to, as musicians uh, who want to feel good about ourselves, we group everything into the quote-unquote fan category. Everybody who follows us on Facebook is a fan. Everybody who clicks yeah. like is a fan. But they're really not, you know, it's not quite fair to call them a fan until they're um, spending some money with us or making some significant, you know, engagement. Um, and I think certainly a purchase is, is that benchmark, you know, that's when they're really becoming a, a, a true fan, someone who's going to remember you guys for many yeah. years to come. 
Definitely. And sorry to interrupt. I just checked. It's 26 20, on average. On average. That's that's fantastic, man. So let's talk about that because, uh, you know, as soon as people hear albums sold, uh, people become skeptical. Like nobody buys albums anymore. What are you talking about? <laughs> so so what are you how are you selling these albums? Are they physical? Are they CDs? Are they vinyl? Are they digital? What's going on? Uh, combination of CDs and digital, but I'd say 90% CDs, 90% CDs. And now do you think that that, cause I hear this more and more and more, this, this return almost to a spike in CD sales. I've historically been more focused on digital sales, probably just because that's sort of what was more common when I started doing all this 10 years ago. Um, and, and because it also depends on the genre, there are genres that would still be more likely to buy digital than they would physical CDs. But I'm hearing it a lot where people are seeing their digital sales dropping and their CD sales going up in a space where, you know, people are talking about how nobody buys CDs anymore. Why do you think that is? What's your take? take on why people are buying CDs? Do you think it's tied to your genre? Is it just music, indie music in general? What's your take? So my thinking at one point was, yeah, it's got to be genre because yeah, metal people buy CDs. Hmm. But at the same time, you know, I've tested some different things and I've, I've come to some, some slightly different conclusions. And I also heard from a friend of mine with, who's actually an EDM artist that mm-hmm. his CD sales are through the roof. And that's not something I would have thought of. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought with EDM. Uh, that's, that's uh, surprising actually. Uh, I hear it a yeah. lot actually with singer songwriters, you know, with blues artists, um, older demographic Americana kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. they do pretty well with, with CDs. Yeah. So one thing that I think matters is, you know, obviously new cars, new computers, they don't even come with CD yeah. drives anymore. Totally. So one one thing that we're doing to kind of offset that is we'll include a digital download sent by email along with the purchase of a CD. Yeah. So it, it almost it's they're not buying the CD for the music as for why they are buying it. I suspect it has something to do with it being a maybe it's a collector angle or mm. maybe they want something physical that they can they can just have. It's almost just like a piece of merch, like a shirt. Yeah. It, it kind of, you know, they, they look over at it on their desk and it's like, oh, yeah, I like those guys. Yeah. You know, maybe it's something like that. Well, I, I think so. You know, and this is something that I know you've heard me talk about and perhaps listeners have as well. I think I think it's really important that we understand that the consumption or slash, you know, buying triggers for independent artists are, are quite different than the consumption triggers for mainstream music. You know, when it comes to, Adele's latest um, song, you know, what's happening there is that so much money is being spent that the, well, she's even a bad example because there is a lot of genuine fandom there. There's a lot of diehard love that goes into her career, but the average mainstream artist, let's say a, a main, a new mainstream artist is breaking anyway. Um, what is typically happening, happening is millions of dollars are being spent to create so much market awareness for an artist in a song that it creates that tipping point, And then everyone pulls out their, their phones and, and these days streams the music, but there isn't the same deep bond uh, with the average breaking new artist on the mainstream level that there is with independent artists. When people consume independent music, it's because they feel this bond with the artist. They've had some actual engagement with them. Um, it is extremely rare that somebody is just, you know, clicking on an ad for some band they've never heard of and then wants to go and suddenly buy the music with very little additional interaction. That can happen. It's just not all that common. Um, 
instead we tend to form relationships you know they they sign up to our mailing list there's some they comment on something we comment back they comment on a social media post and we comment back there's a degree of reciprocity there's a bond they become a member of our tribe perhaps you know they see us perform live um, and we shake their hand and and but this relationship as fragile as it may be or surface level as it may be this relationship forms and I think when that happens it's like you said uh, people that, well one they're more or less you know once you've done the job of building that bond that interest and desire exists they're kind of willing a real fan is willing to support you in just about any way that you ask them to so long as the price point is reasonable and they're getting something out of it um, mm -hmm. But there is also that thing where people want to take something from it much in the way that we go to a show and we want to buy some merch to sort of anchor that memory, anchor that experience, anchor that that bond that we feel. And I think that's a lot of it as well. And, and you know, particularly, I think there's different components with different genres, I, I suspect. And you know the metal genre much better than I, but I suspect with metal there is a, a genuine sort of, it, it's very tribal, you know, metal fans oh, yeah. um, Absolutely. Are, are extremely tribal. And there is probably that uh, it it it's not quite accurate to say collector thing. I don't know that metal fans are consciously, or maybe they are, but I don't know that they're necessarily consciously going out and saying I want to collect um, Meat Prophets albums so much as they're very proud of their collection of music because it it's who they are. And when they look up at that shelf full of music, uh, they see a person reflected back at them that that looks and acts and is the way that they ultimately want to be you know they get to see because you know that yeah well music collection reflects the tribe that they ultimately um hope to be a part of is that is that fair that is 100 percent fair yeah i think that's exactly what it is cool so okay so so 20 uh, 26 uh albums sold per day on average 90 percent of which are cds how are you making all of this happen how where where are these customers coming from where are these new fans coming from what are your, well, yeah, let's start there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I would say almost entirely from Facebook ads, we mm -hmm. have a very negligible, but significant presence on YouTube. Occasionally mm -hmm. some people come in through there, but. Mm -hmm. And when you say Facebook, Facebook ads, you're talking Instagram as well. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, and uh, so uh, you're doing direct ads to a landing page, to a squeeze page where you offer free music in exchange for, um, an email address is that right yeah that that's correct i mean we've done all kinds of different things like i've, sure. I've experimented even with with ads that are straight to our shopify store and mm -hmm. that even that can work right um believe it or not we've gotten some some pretty significant sales that way but right yeah i know yeah, from, the, the main thing yeah go on. for me yeah the most of my success has come from that that email funnel method hmm um and so again, I'm, I'm speaking, I know that a lot of listeners are very familiar with what we do around here, but newcomers that, which we get every day are, are not necessarily. So you're driving Facebook and Instagram traffic via advertising to a, a simple squeeze page that gives away what one song, two songs, three songs. What are you giving away? Uh, it's five in our case, five songs. Okay. So five digital songs. Yep. Cool. Yep. And people, people sign up, you presumably send them what a zip file as well as direct links so they could stream it from the email if they want to, or from your browser. Yeah. It's 
that way they if they have an iPhone they're not screwed yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally <laughs> um, all right and then uh, and then what happens when so I go to your site I sign up and you know I'm playing I'm playing the listener here obviously I, I'm yeah, very yeah. well what happens but uh, <laughs> but but so that other people understand what what happens from there yeah so the next day you would get an email from our singer actually she's she's the one who put a lot of this stuff together from her perspective mm -hmm. um she kind of had the best story to tell out of all of us i think so mm -hmm. we went with her and sure. so you get an email from our singer and she's like hey you know if, i hope you like the music if you did check this out this is a story that that i wrote that i think you'll enjoy and it kind of gives you more to go off of with the music you already like check it out sure and are you and are you following the sort of formula in mmm this sort of quote-unquote blog post of a lifetime idea where your yes. your goal is to create that that bond yeah absolutely cool cool okay i cut you off there go on oh no you're good so yeah if, if you you know hopefully you then proceed to click the link in the email and you check out the story and you know if your experience is anything like most of the people who come through this you're you're going oh wow that's actually really incredible i really like these guys even more now because mm -hmm. I understand everything that went into the music and that's just really cool to see. Well, and I think hopefully and probably because your funnel's working, the reader sees themselves to an extent in the story, in your singer's story, because they're, the whatever values she's putting forward um, as it as they pertain to metal and music are probably feelings that uh, and values that that reader also shares. Yeah, that's that's definitely definitely true gotcha all right and then and then what's you know we don't necessarily need to go into you know micro details but what happens after that and are you selling right away like have you have you pitched anything yet how where are you selling um i don't think there's any pitches at this point there might be just an offhand mention in the blog post sure. hey you can get an album here but sure um so what happens next is a couple days pass and then you get another email and this one's like hey here's a video of us hanging out in the studio check that out okay so not even music yet it's just it's just other than the five songs they got now it's still getting to know you guys it's you guys talking in the yep. studio well and that's the thing about this video it, it's a it's kind of we we kind of put this together as a collage of you know because we've been around for 10 years despite not being serious for all that time but we've been recording a lot of footage over 10 years so it's kind of a collage of some of our favorite moments right and so they'll hear more music in that video and, and it's there's some live performances you know thrown in and it's it's just kind of a 20 seconds at a time clip 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 and so there's music in that but yeah it's still not a push too much music right right Cool. So yeah, so they're hearing hearing it. There's a bed of music. They're occasionally cutting you mm -hmm. guys performing that music, but it's really much more about hearing you guys speak and and yeah, some additional details about your story and, and getting. I presume to see your. I actually haven't gone through Kevin's funnel, so I'm I'm genuinely asking here. Um, uh, does I'm imagining that your studio kind of looks cool, like one would expect of a, a metal band's rehearsal studio um, or recording studio. Is that is that right? I mean, is it a? Does it help reinforce the brand? I think it does. And actually, yeah. that's something I didn't expect because we have all these. It's like really it's a nerdy setup because all of us, you know, we're, we're very old school, you know, video games and stuff like that. 
are stuff that we're really into. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't expect it to, to mesh with metal people, but actually that from the comments we've gotten, that was part of it was somehow we're attracting a lot of gamers, right. which works. I'm going to, as an aside, totally an aside here, that's interesting. And I might piss a whole bunch of metal uh, fans off here. There's this thing. So, you know, I have a very distant appreciation of metal. It's, it's a more of a rock and roll, you know, punk blues kind of dude than a, than a metal guy. But I, I have, I have a distant appreciation for it and, and was more into it when I was younger. But, um, uh, it's a funny genre in that especially these days where I, I feel like it's almost become not not a parody of itself, but more self-aware than it was. Um, Definitely. Yeah. You know, 20 years ago. Um, and it's this thing where it's a genre so uh, at times almost cosplay esque in terms of its tough Viking <laughs> thing. Yeah. And yet it's really dominated by quite a lot of intelligent nerds <laughs> under, <laughs> underneath yeah. all that cosplay. So so it's a funny juxtaposition, all these nerds dressed like, and I say that affectionately, you know, but nerds dressed like, uh, like the toughest Vikings <laughs> you've ever seen. That juxtaposition <laughs> is, is interesting and curious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I- it is. <laughs> Um, it's not like the Hell's Angels are necessarily your your typical metal fan. It's much more much more folks from Comic Con. Yeah, no, we're all pretty chill. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, just uh, just an, a, a curious observation. But go on. Okay, so that 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 blog uh, link goes out to that video that they can watch, presumably embedded on a page on your site. Um, yep. Presumably, again, are are you pitching yet, or is it? another subtle link do you ramp up um, the just, volume just on that another page? mention yeah. I, I we experimented with actually putting like a very small discount code for our store mm-hmm. on this page it was something like 10 percent, just right. for anyone who wanted it mm-hmm. and a few people took it but i didn't keep that it seemed it didn't seem genuine with what that message was supposed to be gotcha. about gotcha. So. i think that's an important point i think authenticity and you know uh well I said it a lot, like good marketing doesn't necessarily even feel like marketing. Um, well, you well, necessarily, <laughs> um, you know, sometimes over the top marketing is very, very effective as well. Um, but I think especially when it comes to music, we're really just having conversations we're having conversations yeah. that are, that are tested to get a specific outcome, but they really are just conversations in the more real and and authentic and non sort of money hungry and grabby. They are, I think, all the all the better. I mean, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be blunt in asking for the sale at times. I think that's really also important. But um, but I, I think your point is a good one of if the post is not really meant to sell, then don't try to sneak in a desperate attempt to sell. Um, yeah, because it, it goes against the whole purpose of it and, and waters down the ultimate effectiveness and authenticity. Anyway. OK, so um, and then what happens? So then, you know, another, I think it's three days will pass. And then, you know, here, here's the pitch is you'll get another email that's, hey, for 72 hours, you can get two for one deal on two of our albums. Uh, so if you've been thinking about getting our music, this is a really good time to. Right. And that links out to a page with a countdown timer that will block the page from being accessed after those 72 hours pass. Right. So really straight out of the MMM playbook, there's like 
you know, you put your own voice in here, but there's not much deviation. Like a lot of times advanced students will, will modify things and try different approaches. Um, like we've talked uh, about with, uh, Josh from the empty pockets. He does a lot of free for shipping and handling with this, you know, takes the basic model Mm -hmm. and and adds that instead of a, a lead gen, but you're, you're going pretty, pretty, uh, pretty consistent with what, what I teach in the course. So, you know, and that's an interesting thing is, is with variations. I've tested a lot of different variations and the only one that I settled on that I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you recommend this, uh, a variation that I, I actually quite like is to elongate the funnel after that. Mm-hmm. So I, I have stuff going out for a couple months even into this person's life cycle after joining us. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I want to ask more about that, but I'll clarify. No, that's not something that I've, I, I don't like. Um, the, the personal problem I have with it, like I'm constantly battling that idea in my own mind because I actually do like the idea of it. The problem is, is that I also think one should be pretty active in real time. And the longer your mm-hmm. funnel, the, the, Hard, the longer you have to wait to engage in real time with the subscribers. And so I've always been a little hesitant on it personally, more so because of the way my brain works than anything else. But, um, but no, I, I'm fairly confident that extending it and adding additional key promotions to your funnel will generate more money than, um, than doing it, um, than flipping to real time. It's just, it just doesn't, work so well with my with my brain but um but anyway <laughs> but we'll let's let's get to that um we're, we're skipping ahead so so okay these couple of um blog posts go out and when i say it doesn't work with my brain what i mean is i i think i think i'm i have this desire to get a little bit quicker into real time and that authentic kind of communication um yeah i but, get that but i see i do see how likely it is that the numbers will bear out better if you probably make sure to get those key promotions in because i'm also kind of lazy with a lot of this stuff and sometimes a year or two can pass and i'm like man i haven't even sent out an email about this product that no one knows yep. about so <laughs> so it makes it makes a lot of sense and i've been yeah, wrestling that's, with that's that why i did that because i noticed i was really struggling to keep up with with real-time stuff so yeah. you know what let's just automate it yeah, <laughs> it's fine yeah. it's and that's probably something i need to look into more and and you know people may be hearing me a year from now recommending six-month funnels over over the 10-day funnel so um anyway uh okay so so you go into that limited time offer and before we go on to what happens next what's happening at this point like let's talk about some conversion rates so what are your average conversion rates on the squeeze page what's happening with your open rates uh what what are your Mm -hmm. sales conversion rates Sure. So squeeze page conversion rate is actually surprisingly low. It's sitting at around 25%. Really? If you can believe that. Yeah, which, which that, by like, the way, would blow a lot of people away. You know, there are a lot of people who really struggle to get um, people to sign up at all. And, and you're calling it low and I'm agreeing with you. It's it's not bad. And there was a time 10 years ago, I'd say anything over 25% is great. But we've just become better at this stuff around here. And I'm, I'm very often seeing conversion rates, you know, over 30, often even over 40%. So, um, yeah, so 25 is is low for someone who's doing really well with this stuff, but it's still decent. And I I, I suspect I know why, mm-hmm. um, because I'm very aggressively filtering out people who won't like my music. Right. You know, I, I have blatantly saying, essentially saying, like, 
if you don't like X, Y, and Z about this genre of music, then get off this page. You won't like it. Right. You know? And so you're saying that on your, on your, away. on your landing page, that's the crux of your sort of uh, headline. Essentially. Yeah. Like I, I have such a specifically descriptive headline that describes such a specific, you know, call it an offshoot of mm-hmm. symphonic metal right. that has traits that would put off, right. you, you know, a percentage of. Right. So you're really things. qualifying your leads. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so the hope here, and I suspect what you're about to tell us is you get this low uh, conversion rate initially, but you get a really high engagement rate in the funnel. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, so talk as about far as that, open yeah, rates, this, what do you see? Yeah. As far as open rates, you know, it's the standard, you know, the vast majority of people are opening the free download. Um, the first blog post is, I want to say 55% mm-hmm. open rates. Mm-hmm might be closer to 60 mm-hmm. which is pretty, pretty uh, click, solid click through on that is 29 percent, i think mm-hmm. that's a really good click through yeah and then with the studio video it's 45 20 gotcha. 45 open 20 click through are you looking at it right now the actual rights yes oh gotcha mm-hmm yeah, I was guessing on the on the first blog post, and then I double checked, and sure. yeah, I was right. Sure. But yeah, it's forty five twenty on the studio one, and then with the limited time offer, actually the click through comes up to twenty two percent. What's the yeah, open rate on on the limited time offer? That is fifty percent. Oh, so the open rate goes up as well. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's that's exceptionally high for for something deep in the funnel like that. Um, so it means, like we alluded to, uh, that yeah, you once somebody is in that funnel, they're staying pretty damn engaged because you're not seeing this drop off. You know, for anyone who who's listening, they call it a funnel because it's big at the top and it's small at the bottom. We people come in and then our funnel ultimately qualifies them, and we lose the people that are are not. Um, going to be interested in what it is that we're offering and and a small number of sales come out the other end as our funnel does the job of really just speaking to a handful of people but it sounds like your funnel is a little more of a cylinder (laughs) (laughs) i like that (laughs) anyway marketing nerd humor um so, (laughs) so so anyway uh Okay, so and then go on and 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 where does uh, what happens with your open rates from there? I, su- mm-hmm. I suspect so the, the ne- drop in the next one and then a solid on the on the final. Actually, it's the opposite. Really, the next one is let's see, forty six percent open, twenty percent no, nineteen percent click through. And this is coming out the fu- one twenty four hours after the email before. Yes, before it. Wow. Normally, yes. it's just even for the the sheer fact that people don't have time necessarily to get to all these emails, you see that that second one drop, and then the final one pick back up. That's interesting. Interesting. And then on the final one, which is just your final notice headline, it drops all the way to forty percent open, eleven percent click through, which is still extremely good. I mean, you're basically. You're basically getting a ton of people to come to your page. One in four is signing up for some music. About half of them are losing interest at that point. And then the other half is staying pretty much engaged the entire way, opening up almost everything and engaging with it. Um, What's your sales conversion rate like on that initial offer? Sales conversion rate is currently... 
I have 16% mark 16%. here, but I suspect it might. That's, yep. For the listeners, you know, that's exceptionally high. It does happen, and I've, I've seen it before, but 16% is is crazy and it's just a testament to how well your funnel is actually put together more often than not we tend to be we tend to it's much easier to succeed at getting leads uh in at a good price than it is to actually get the funnel to convert there's so many more moving parts there and that's where the rubber really hits the road and people actually you know engage with you as an artist and as a person and decide whether or not they like you and frankly it's hard to make strangers like us um so so you're doing exceptional with your funnel and 16 percent is just like through the roof and and frankly people shouldn't really expect that it is it is possible but you know even 10 10 percent is kind of the high side of what i see a lot four to six percent would probably be more in the average kind of range um, obviously it's all over the charts. There are people that have funnels that just do terribly and they never convert because they've never ultimately optimized them. But, um, four to 6% would probably be around average. 10% would be exceptional. Anything over that is just don't expect it to happen because that's just so good. Um, that's, that's, that's huge. What do you, and what are you selling? It's, it's an album, one album. It's a two for one two album for one. bundle. Gotcha. And you're selling it for how much? Uh, looks, yeah, it's $10 digital and 18 for two CDs. Gotcha. So 18 for two CDs as well as shipping and handling, or that includes it? That includes shipping. Gotcha. Okay. So, so you make, even with shipping and handling, you're making, making some nice additional, uh, even manufacturing, you're making some additional profit over digital. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and uh, with that setup, you've got to test the, the decoy strategy. The decoy strategy. Oh, you don't know. We haven't talked about this. This is so the decoy strategy. Yeah. Now, here's another aside, but the decoy strategy is something that I first saw with The Economist, um, where I went to pay and they had digital for, you know, get a digital subscription for 60 bucks, or I don't remember the price, uh, get a physical subscription for $200, or get a digital and physical subscription for $200. And you look at it and you look at it three times because you're like, wait, it's the same <laughs> price to get digital and physical. But what happens when you and so that that second option of 200 for just physical is the decoy because when you see the third option of physical and digital your mind goes well this is the clear value i'm going to get that <laughs> and so when when you when you ask a room full of people you know would you rather have digital for 50 bucks or physical for 100 you get around half and half um when you say would you rather have um digital or physical or physical and digital for the price of physical you get about 80 or 90 percent um taking the uh the, the more expensive product um that's fascinating yeah it's it's <laughs> it's it's quite interesting it's um yeah google the decoy strategy i've been promising to teach a lesson on this in the insider circle for years but but i haven't <laughs> um but um Anyway, uh, that's I tell you to do it, except you're already seeing like 90% sales on the on the bigger package, so there's no real need to. Um, but that's interesting. So okay, and where? So what are you paying per lead? It's let's see, let me check my ads manager real quick. Sure.
Okay, it seems to vary between 60 and 80 cents. Wow, that's also just so good. We'd normally target around here to get uh, leads for around uh, a dollar. Um, part of that is because it's easy math when teaching this stuff, but it's also an obtainable price. Uh, it's certainly, you certainly do see people get cheaper leads as Kevin is doing, but um, you know, it's a challenge to get them down to around a dollar. And it just, every time I hear this story, I'm just, I'm so triggered by all the, you know, people that are out there also teaching this stuff or the naysayers that kind of say none of this stuff is possible. I know you've heard it as well. And nobody signs up for music and sales funnels and don't mm -hmm. convert. And um, it's just your numbers are just so stellar. Um, and, you know, and you're not you don't have this massive uh, story behind you like you put out a, a platinum selling album so you can you can dismiss your successes uh you know having to do with some other factor this is you're just a, a an average hard-working musician from st louis who started off doing frankly not very well um with this stuff and who has turned it into um, a full-time living i mean you are a full-time musician correct making your living yeah. with music yeah um and selling thousands of of albums in this in this current environment no less in the middle of a pandemic no less so yeah so so you'd be you'd be turning a profit um right out of the gate just with your initial album offer mm -hmm. right because what so 18 dollars times 60 you're spending around 80 dollars for 100 leads and you're making around 18 times um 16 i can't do that math fast enough but somewhere in the ballpark of uh well 300 bucks is that right around there yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm can't do that math off the top of my head either but you're you're close <laughs> um so so that you know that's exceptional and that's not always the case either at all and if you're listening and you've set up a funnel and you lost money on it you shouldn't be dismayed because it's very 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 common to go and lose a little bit of money we call this in marketing you know a loss leader uh, but to run your initial offer as a loss leader to get to to start turning strangers into customers, into fans, and then sell to them later down down the road. Um, sometimes we turn a profit initially. Sometimes it might take one or two more promotions. It could take you a year. It's all a, f a matter of um, how much risk you're ultimately willing to uh absorb meaning you know are you willing to come out of pocket for a year until the profit ultimately starts to come in or, or not and fair enough if you're not um but it you know it's is a reasonable approach uh if one was willing to defer that income because they want to ultimately grow their career especially in a space where musicians are are driven so much by passion and you know we spend tens of thousands of dollars building just just our uh, not, uh, you know, our tools, our, our gear, our recordings and all of these things that we put into music as we, as we build towards ultimately putting out an album and we spend so, so much less on the marketing and promotion of that career. And it's, it's really upside down as far as I, I'm concerned. But, um, anyway, I don't, I don't want people to be dismayed. I don't want people to even expect that they're necessarily going to turn a profit on that initial offer because many don't, but, uh, quite often, you know, you might be running 40% in the black, but then one more promotion of something like a membership site or a Patreon campaign. And suddenly, um, did I say in the black, in the red, and then suddenly you're in the black. Um, it's an important, 
important aspect of this. But so let's talk about that. So so you're turning a profit initially, but you know, you're not done. You mentioned that you have a longer funnel and you sell other stuff. Um, so mm -hmm. what else is happening? What else are you selling and how else are you monetizing your relationship with the audience? So ironically, that is actually where I have the most trouble mm. is you mentioned Patreon. I've only been able to get a few dozen people on there. Interesting. And it's like, it, it's so far below the, the rate that I can sell albums at. Interesting. Um, yeah. That is, that is interesting. I suspect that more can be done there. I suspect that that can be optimized because I, I, you know, I, I, I know firsthand that many musicians are doing quite well. Um, many indie musicians are doing quite well, not everyone, but, uh, it, it certainly can be done. I see it all the time. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of funnels that don't become profitable until then. But, you know, my interest in Patreon has been personally waning a bit in favor of more custom private membership sites. I, I yeah, I need to put one of those together at some point. <laughs> yeah, just the, been lazy. The, I think I think I just like the I guess the additional control, the ability to uh, control the customer flow. Um, yeah. I like, you know, I'm a control freak. I don't like the idea that, uh, 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 something could be taken away from me. Um, you know, a site could go down, a platform could go bankrupt and then I lose my business. Um, and you know, Patreon's not without their, their challenges as a company. Um, or they, you know, they're, they're facing some challenges. So, um, I mean, I'm sure they'll be around, um, for a while, but, uh, I just like the idea of doing it on my own and being able to really create a branded custom experience for people. Um, yeah, and, definitely. and I, I personally find Patreon a little bit clunky. I, I set up a campaign for a side project just to get familiar with the, the, you know, the platform a while back and, and it works and I make some money from it. Um, but, uh, it can't do half of what I want it to do. Um, no, I mean, it can't do but a fraction of what I want it to do. So I like the idea of kind of controlling that and setting up my own solution. And, and I've, you know, I've, I've heard from many MMM students who have had success doing it. And while it's still anecdotal, the conversion rates, the data that I have, which is definitely lacking, but the data that I have on those conversion rates points to the conversion rates being about the same. And I suspect because you're doing so poorly with your Patreon campaign that it would probably be in, in reverse for you. I suspect that um, there you probably just haven't struck upon what it is that you ultimately um, – need to offer and how you ultimately need to position yeah. it um, might be worth uh, coming up with a big list of stuff and then surveying your list to see what they'd be interested in paying for and um, and then putting a little other tab in there so that they can give you ideas as well Ooh, uh, I like that yeah Thanks. yeah <laughs> so okay so so yeah. Okay. I, you didn't completely finish your thoughts. So you've got this funnel that, that takes over and you're selling additional stuff. How much more, how yeah. many more promotions have you automated? So there's, you know, and I, I, I pepper in, you know, more free content, free music, more blog posts, whatever. And, and the reason I decided to do this was because I had done some long-term promotions before that did really, really well. Mm -hmm. And also certain blog posts that would, you know, new blog posts, not part of the funnel that went out and people loved them. So I'm like, you know what? This does really well. So let's also expose everyone new to yeah. this by automating this into the funnel. Totally. Um, you know, so one, one thing that performs really well is just a static 30% off any one item in our Shopify store. Mm -hmm. Like people typically use that for shirts or, 
you know, whatever albums they didn't get from the two for one that I offered, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So how late, uh, how, so that, how many weeks or days or months later are you sending out that promotion? I want to say that's after about a month with other free stuff in between. Gotcha. So, so I, and again, I think that's important. We're not just selling, 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 um, after your, your hardcore initial promotion or sorry, funnel kind of concludes that limited time offer promotion concludes, you go back into an organic kind of, here's a blog post, here's a video, here's some more free music kind of approach. Yeah. And I, I actually, I tested really aggressive selling because I'm actually, I signed up for Josh Solomon's email list right. and I see what he does and he's just all sales. And I was right. like, does that work? And it didn't work for me. Right. Um, it does work. It really does. But I, th- I think it really depends on, you know, your voice and your genre and everybody sort of, you know, different, like what there's so many ways that that could go. And I don't know, cause I actually, you know, I'm not in Josh's funnel and I, I'm very familiar with what he's doing, but it's more from conversation than, than actually watching it, um, go out. But, uh, but I know he does, um, email very aggressively. He's, he's you know, he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you that. Um, but it may be something where his strength is putting those messages together. And so, so for him being passive didn't work. Whereas perhaps your strength is, is the more kind of, passive conversation voice. Um, but as yeah. a general rule, um, the more you ask for the sale, the more sales you're, you're going to get, but it certainly is mm-hmm. a balancing act. And I think it's really important to be clear on your unique selling proposition. Something that I know, you know, we, we talk a lot about around here. Everything begins with a unique selling proposition. And, um, this is more of a marketing term than a music term and music. We tend to talk about branding, but I think branding is a confusing term because it, it tends to get people focused on image, which is not what I want people to focus on. I want to focus on what is the thing that you, why are people listening to your music? Why should they take time out of their very busy lives to listen to your music when there are a million other, frankly, much well, I don't know about better, but much more established, amazing artists out there. What is it that is so unique about you that I need to stop what I'm doing and add you to my my collection, music collection or playlist? Um, and once we're clear on that, like, well, one, frankly, a lot of people aren't and maybe there's a problem there. But once you are clear on what is truly obvious and special about what it is that you're doing, then everything else becomes really clear. You know how you need to be communicating with your fans. You know what voice you should be using. Should you be writing in in slang? Should you be writing in a formal voice? Should you, what font should you use? Should it be a light site or a dark site? Should you advertise on Facebook or on Instagram? You know, all these things get predetermined to some extent. I mean, we still need to test, but predetermined to some extent uh, by our, our unique selling proposition and being very clear on what that is. And you guys have very different USPs. So um, it stands yeah. to reason that the results could be be different and i think that's again important to highlight here as people listen to this and want to run off and just copy everything that you're saying it is important to test because um this stuff while structurally uh you know again what i put together in music marketing manifesto 4.0 is i offer email templates and website templates and all of the tools to get you there um we though structurally 
that process can work for a metal artist and can work for a hip hop artist and an EDM artist and a blues artist and everything else. But it's still really important to, um, to optimize and find your own voice and, and customize things to match what it is that you're match the experience that your audience is ultimately seeking. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, Honestly, like even someone like me who's who's doing, you know, quite well, I still feel like I have a ton of work to do on figuring out my USP. It, yeah. it doesn't seem like it's 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 not easy to do. Oh, I don't know. You may not be conscious of of what it is, but you've got it because you wouldn't be selling like you are if you uh, if you didn't have a clear cut brand you know if there wasn't the usp mm -hmm. the brand it creates a shortcut to the mind for people so that they don't have to dig around to figure out what it is that you are and what it is that you're offering um and clearly in your uh funnel and in your ads and in your posts and in your graphics and everything else you are communicating something clear um and that's ultimately what is important and at a 16 percent conversion rate you don't need to change anything um, <laughs> so anyway okay so so and i, I want to we're starting to run out of time but i have questions i want to talk about some other stuff other than the funnel but so let's sure. kind of turn up the speed on this and and talk about are there any other key uh promotions that are um dialed in or you know pre-programmed in uh, I don't think so. I think the big one is that, is that discount. Mm -hmm. Um, I experimented with your pay what you want approach mm -hmm. and that did pretty well, but not well enough that I want to put every new person through it. Right. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think from there it just goes into real time stuff. Okay. And what do you do in that real time, uh, uh not funnel, but, uh, when it, when we go into real time again, we're talking about going from automated emails to broadcasts that you send out, um, and everybody gets them all at the same time. You typically exclude the people that are in the funnel. Um, but, uh, how often are you emailing people? What kind of stuff are you emailing them about? Do you have a ratio of, uh, free content to promotion? Nothing dialed in because I'm terrible about keeping up with that kind of thing. It's yeah. basically just whatever I can remember to send out. Yeah, yeah. Um, as Fair far enough. as a ratio, ideally I like to do, you know, if I send out three, three or four free things, I'll maybe try to work in a sale somewhere. Sure. I'm not strict about it. Yeah, so a, a rough three to one, which is you know, what, what we talk about a lot and. MMM. Um, and a good ratio. Uh, okay. So, so do you know, do you have the numbers, your subscriber value, your average subscriber value? When you add all that Hold stuff on. in? Let me look that up real quick. So sure. I, I know it's, I listed it here somewhere. Well, while he's looking for that, I'll just kind of explain the importance of this. You know, that's what this all kind of boils down to. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to this and it can seem really confusing, but ultimately it's important to be able to see the forest through the trees. It is a pretty, fundamentally it's pretty simple. How, how we get there is kind of complicated, um, but fundamentally it's pretty simple. All we're doing is, is we are buying an audience. And when I say buying an audience, we're not actually buying a list or anything like that, but we're spending money on advertising so that we can build our list. Um, which in effect means that we're buying an audience and then we're selling stuff to that audience. Um, 
and that's as simple as the MMM process ultimately is. I really stress the importance for independent artists to have a sales model in place. That doesn't mean that streaming is bad. It doesn't mean that you can't have a presence on the streaming platforms. I think you should uh, have a presence on the streaming platforms, but I think you should be more focused on building uh, a funnel that pays for itself and generates profit with sales. Whether you sell a, a physical album or push a Patreon campaign or sell a membership site or um, uh, sell tickets to live shows, uh, you know, and the merch, the list goes on. But I think that I think that the, the what is most important is that you have a sales model in place, which is where you're going to see the majority of your income. And um, for most independent artists, there are, of course, exceptions to this. And if, hey, if you've been struck by lightning and your music is effectively, you know, we don't normally call it going viral, but it's the same principles going viral on Spotify, where it just kind of takes off on its own because it's so remarkable, um, then more power to you. But that process, in my opinion and experience, is not all that consistently um, replicatable. Uh, sure, it, you can replicate the process of, of growing your streams, but growing them to the point where you can actually make a living. Um, you know, if you take 100 artists, you're going to have far fewer artists who are able to make a living that way than you are with a sales model. And because for most artists, 80% of your revenue is going to come from 20% of your tracks, my, my argument is why not release just 20% of the tracks to the streaming platforms and preserve your ability to keep selling music. But so if we understand that, and if we understand that the goal here is to buy an audience and then sell stuff to that audience, um, then from there, we just need to pay closest attention to two key pieces of data. What is our subscriber acquisition cost and what is our subscriber value? And so long as the, the value is greater than the acquisition costs, we have a winning business and we've reduced this to an actual business model, which is something way too lacking in the music industry. Um, and how far out you project that subscriber value again is ultimately up to you. Uh, you could project uh, three, you could project seven days in advance, or you could project, you know, six months in advance, um, or a year in advance is really up to you. Typically we're looking, you know, 90 days or so, but it all comes down to, um, your, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll look at the entire year. Um, it's, it, if I know I'm profitable, I'll look at the entire year. I probably wouldn't be comfortable with, with losing money for a year before I hit profit, but, um, but I want to know what I'm making, you know, over the course of that year and to some extent over the course of the life per fan. So anyway, what is your so you've already said your subscriber acquisition cost, um, we'll call it 70 cents because I think you said 60 to 80 cents on average. Mm -hmm. What What is your subscriber value? OK, so including Patreon and those Shopify, you know, shirt store mm -hmm. pushes, it's three dollars and ten cents, three dollars and ten cents um, and costs. So, yeah, you're turning. Uh, and if we go with 70 cents, uh, so for $4 and I mean, sorry, not $4, 400, 400 something percent. I can't figure out that extra percentage, but that's, that's, mm -hmm. that's a huge return and it's, it's fantastic. And obviously the challenge now for you is just scaling and, and that's just yeah. your, that's when you say subscriber value, that's just your funnel, right? That's not, um, including the fact that you are going to put out additional albums to that existing list and sell copies yeah, and everything else. Yeah, no. 
nothing yeah. like that yet. Yeah. So that's just, that's, I'm a, excited to see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is where you really start getting into charting. Um, and this is frankly why so many MMM students do land on billboard charts is because once you've got that big list of 10, 20, 30,000 people, especially when it's made up of a high percentage of customers, you sell a lot of albums when a new album drops and it's not uncommon to land on, on a, you know, top 10 billboard chart and even stay there for several weeks. So, um, very excited for you as well when that next album comes out. So, um, we do, you know, that's a really, I think, great, um, overview of this process um uh, again if anyone wants some hand holding through this process uh you know i don't i don't keep any of it secret um but i do offer courses that guide you through it and offer you email templates and website templates and all the same tools that ultimately you know help kevin um get get to where he's at and i offer that through music marketing manifesto 4.0 which you can find at musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash mmm4 um and i think and you know i i hope the organic quality to this conversation is apparent you know i didn't know a lot of the information going into it i knew kevin was doing well i knew some of the information um but it's really been fun for me as well to kind of ask and explore and hear how a student is doing and it's been cool to watch you kevin you know go from a guy who's spending just five bucks a day um and being a little a little sheepish with your numbers because in the beginning while you were while they were things were working the numbers are small to a guy who's spending you know 150 dollars a day and now seeing thousands um in sales it's really really cool and it's really um impressive um so so and something just popped into my head when we were talking about that subscriber value we should clarify that that's the average subscriber um uh, value not of course you know the people might be going well i thought you were selling you know 16 dollar albums how are you only making three dollars it's an average in case that needed saying mm. anyway so there's a great <laughs> overview <laughs> there's a great overview uh, of this process but let's talk just a little bit you know and we are going kind of long but let's talk a little bit uh, about just i don't know any other insights that you gained in in the process um anything else that you've seen with friends and fellow musicians who are employing this stuff any thoughts about your genre um, and how this stuff may be working in this genre, um, perhaps differently than it would in other genres. Um, I guess we, you know, well, yeah, what pops out um, in terms of advice that you might have for everyone listening and the things that you've learned, the most imp important things that you've learned in this process? Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> I would say that a big thing for us, if, if anyone listening to this, goes and looks up my band on Spotify, the handful of tracks that we have on there, they sound like garbage. And the reason for that is that when we, you know, we first recorded our music, you know, we, we didn't have really any money to spare on it. So it's all, you know, we all, re we recorded it ourselves. We had, you know, a, all the recording software on a home computer and just the cheapest gear we could get away with. And it shows. And something that's been really crazy having a bigger budget now because we have more money now and we're reinvesting, you know, what we can into the band is that we can make better quality music, like infinitely better quality. It's really crazy to listen to the difference. It's like night and day. Um, and so the, the perspective that I found with that is like, 
even for hobbyists, people who don't necessarily want to do music full time, it's like if your music becomes capable of paying for itself, then the music you're capable of making levels up. And right. that means that, you know, you're passionate about your music. It, it just feels good to hear, to, to listen to your own music and go, I never thought I'd be capable of making something that sounded this good. Right, right. Well, and I think I think the art is shaped by the the listeners as well. You know, I mean, Derek Sivers said it on the episode that he was on where he talked about how, you know, art doesn't stop at the edge of the canvas. Um, and yeah. the marketing is part of it as well. And that communication that you have with the fans it affects things tremendously. I, I have it all the time. I mean, we've all, any, any, even if you've never spent a dollar on a, on a Facebook ad, you know, you're a musician, you've mixed your tracks and you've sat there for 20 hours listening to the music and then by yourself. And then somebody else walks in the room and you play it for them. And all of a sudden, oh man, no, the vocal's way too quiet or whatever. And it sounds completely different. And it's not that <laughs> you're, you're having an audio hallucination. It's this, that there's this osmosis. You're hearing it through their eyes. You start, you start to, well, hearing it through their eyes. Did I actually just say that? Hearing it through their ears, seeing it through their eyes. Um, uh, and, and it, it, I don't know why that's so necessary, but it's an important part of it. And when we start marketing our music, when we start getting traffic coming in and people are buying it and sending us messages and we're sending the messages back, that process of ha like having somebody come in and listen to a mix, it's like that, but on steroids, uh, because you've got hundreds of people. Yeah, I mean, you'd have definitely. how many people hit your site every single day? Like, uh, um, hundreds, like four or 500. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. Four or 500 strangers observing your music, observing your site, hearing your claims about your music. Um, and then, and then about, you know, more than a, a hundred of them, um, actually signing up and then listening to it. Um, and then around, as you said, 26 of them actually buying some of that music and, and living with it presumably for years to come. I mean, that's a lot of psychological sort of feedback and that is mm -hmm. going to change and shape the art. I mean, your points about the, the money side as well are, are, are yeah, great and important, but, but I think, I think, I think it's, foolish not to I, I musicians are naturally hesitant when it comes to marketing um i think it's frankly because they're a little bit scared of it and so we tend to just adopt the cynical attitude about it because it's scary because if we do the marketing and nobody and and, and still nobody likes our music then it's on us but if we, if we make if we make great music or if we make music and put our hearts into it and nobody hears it then we can blame it on the world um and so I think a lot of people are more comfortable in that that dichotomy than the former. And uh, I just think it's really important to be, you know, brave and and uh, embrace the fact that this is just now part of it. This is part of it's the it's the responsibility of every small business. There's no small business out there that doesn't or CEO of a company that doesn't acknowledge that they have to understand marketing. You know, that's it really doesn't exist much in the world. And yet musicians who really are just small businesses somehow think they're um uh, immune to this, um, this reality. And it, it just, it's, it's really, really important, um, for all the reasons, you know, you mentioned and, and hopefully some of the ones I mentioned. Uh, oh yeah. Like 
you know, you, you mentioned vocals being too quiet as your hypothetical mm. and, you know, back in the day, I can't tell everybody's you vocals how many are emails. too quiet. I cannot possibly tell you the number of times we got literally word for word, the same email. You guys are awesome, but the vocals are too quiet. Yeah. It's like, okay, so we go back and fix it. And then, then people are responding better. So we've actually remixed music based on not every off the cuff negative feedback from from people we're bringing in with this but certainly if it's consistent it's like oh that's actually useful we can fix that right right very cool well i think it might be fun and i didn't ask you about this before we hit record it's just kind of dawned on me as we were talking about your your music do you own all the rights can can we play a track on the podcast we can yeah i can pull one up for you at some point yeah well you'll give it to me i'll add it after we say goodbye but uh -huh. i thought it'd be fun to give that texture that dimension to this conversation so people can who sure. uh, hear who you are and what, what your music sounds like and get a sense of um uh you know what what people are reacting to um and uh, so we'll do that uh well again I'll, I'll cue it up after we're done recording and stuff um but we'll, we'll play a little bit of uh instead of the normal the normal track that takes us out out the outro song or whatever we'll uh we'll sign off with a track from uh from mute profit and if you want to learn more about uh kevin's band mute profit you can do so at muteprofitband.com that's muteprofitband.com and if you got any value out of this um then maybe you know pick up a copy of of their album especially if you're a metal fan um you might dig it so that's that. Any kind of final words of advice uh, before we sign off, Kevin? I guess my biggest thing is do not get discouraged because mm. I was not someone that I like it. The way I look at it, if I can do this, literally anybody can do this. I don't feel like I, I did anything too special. I just kept trying until it worked. Yeah, that, that sentence right there is um, probably the most important sentence in the world. Just keep trying until it works. Um, but, you know, but I guess we can a add a little a little addendum there, which is to try something different, <laughs> you know, each time you yeah. come at it. Um, yeah. Because otherwise you're just going to go mad. Well, fantastic stuff, uh, Kevin. Thank you so much for opening up the books quite literally on your on your business and sharing some of those yeah, numbers and, and showing people that it is uh, possible. Um, I love sharing these success stories and um, and yours is a good one. So good on you for sticking with it and taking your band as far as as you ultimately have. What's their reaction to all this, by the way? Because are they they're not that involved in the marketing side, are they? Um, our singer is, she, she, she co-markets some of Does this she? stuff with me, but, gotcha. but the others are, are every time we come at them with new numbers, they're just, yeah, blown away by it. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I just sitting there making music and, and strangers are buying, buying it all day long, every day. Good stuff. Um, with no record label or, or PR budget or, uh, no touring. Um, you weren't even really touring much before COVID, were you? No, no, yeah. we never, never really bothered with that as much. And just doing it. From, who knows now? <laughs> yeah. Doing it from your rehearsal room. Yeah. You might with 26 albums sold a day independently. I mean, that's going to start to add up and it's going to, you're going to be starting to need to think about whether or not you want to go with a label. Um, I'm, I'm curious if, has anyone approached you guys just yet? No. Yeah. No, I think we're still under the radar. Plus, you know, this genre, I don't know that it's, it's as far as I know, there are no 
full-scale American symphonic metal bands that have been signed to American labels. I think it's all European still. Yeah, somebody somebody will come knocking before you know it. Um, you can't you can't keep uh, making that much noise uh, without it happening. So um, let me know when it does. Um, sure. <laughs> and start thinking about what you're going to do when it does. All right. Well, uh, thanks again. Um, you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Cool. All right. As promised, uh, we're going to we're gonna end this song with a track from Kevin's band, Mute Prophet. Just thought it would be fun to give you guys some, some dimension and uh, a little more insight into the artist and the, and, the, and the man that you've been listening to for the last hour. Um, uh, and, you know, all of that uh, indie success that we've been talking about as well. So I'm going to let uh, Kevin take us out with a track from Mute Prophet. Take care. <laughs>